BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Now, everybody else, y'all need to put some respect on my fucking name. I am the welterweight champ for a reason. Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare, Usman. There it is. There it is. I'm not going anywhere. You know, don't sleep on me. Lionheart, Anthony Smith. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. I should have made we're out of here. All right, welcome to UFC Unfiltered. I don't know why I said UFC like that, but uh, we have a busy show today. Uh, we have uh, champion uh, Kamara Usman. He hasn't been on in a year. Do you believe that it has been a year since I believe he's been on this show? I do, because, you know, with the pandemic, it just feels like it doesn't surprise me because there's people that I don't talk to like, oh, it's been a while or been a minute, like the kids say. And then really, it's been almost a year because everything's been put on hold. You know what I mean? It just feels like less, though. I remember talking to him. It just feels like two or three months. And I realized the date was last April, I think. I'm like, I can't believe that has been a year um, because it was on video. Now, he doesn't like Ben Askren. I wonder what he thought of that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he was he, somewhat thrilled. I mean, a lot of guys who didn't like Ben, I'm sure were happy. Yeah. I want to know his thoughts. I'm not into that. Everybody's like, oh, he represented MMA. I don't give a shit about that. Because yeah. it's not MMA. It's so silly. Yeah, he know? just boxed. And uh, by the way, we also have Colin Quinn, my friend, um, uh, coming today. Because last time he was sick. And um, Anthony Smith who is the uh, first fight he's fighting uh, Jimmy Crute, the opening fight of the card. Uh, and also, by the way, I want to plug something for UFC. Um, this Saturday during uh, 261, UFC is going to have uh, a UFC 261 watch along on Twitch. Now, the hosts are uh, CM Punk, oh. Steve-O, and oh. Jens Pulver. A, a, a great mix of people. Uh, and they're going to preview each matchup and break down moments live and react to all the action. So you can get involved in a chat with fellow fans or give your predictions and thoughts on the fight. It's free to watch, but any subscription revenue the UFC Twitch channel receives, it's donated to the American Cancer Society. So uh, UFC 261 watch along with Steve-O, CM Punk, and Jens Pulver. It kicks off at 9 o'clock Eastern time. That's 6 o'clock if you're in California. And it's this Saturday live on the UFC Twitch channel. 
And I wanted to mention that before I forgot. And I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, though, because you're mentioning in the, the most important part about yeah, the answer. I'm belching like an animal. I'm Jimmy. It's okay. You just, it slipped out. I saw your little hand went up. Oh, you had a little. <laughs> I, tried to, I wasn't quick enough. I couldn't catch it. What's up, champ? What's up, Matt? We had uh, the, the manager of champions on yesterday, two days ago. Yeah. Ali. Oh, really? Yeah. He says all good things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I shouldn't even call you guys Matt and Jimmy. I feel like I should call you Mr. Sarah. What? And that's no that's no disrespect. It's just the way I was raised. So it's when so it's great. like when I'm like around my elders, I want to say Mr. Sarah, how you doing? So respectful. <laughs> and know what's really sad about that is I do not feel a day older. I, 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 if you see me walk, I'll look older. Yeah. But mentally, man child. So when you say that, Mr. Sarah, I'm like, oh, my dad must be here. <laughs> oh, no, he's not. It's me he's talking to. Uh, listen, I like, hey, I feel like I'm looking into a better looking mirror here. Look at that. Uh, do you usually keep it shaved like that or you keep a nice tight fade? No, this is this is recent. You know, I just decided that to, to just get it off. And it's it feels better. It feels it's better. much better. It feels much better. It's like therapeutic when I'm shaving my head in the in the uh, in the morning. Ah, it feels nice. Even my I'm not going out. I just shave that and I got the nice facial hair I work with. Well, you know, it's a, it's a struggle. It's a struggle at first to, to finally uh, come to terms with it and, and finally let go of the hair. You know, it's and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll come to terms with what the fact that it's kind of involuntarily leaving like it's kind of. Well, going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started to thin out a little bit up here. Yeah. You know, and of course, you know, you fight for a while to save it. And then I started the crazy thing. I started getting all these uh, emails from some of these big, big uh, hair companies in Turkey. They're like, hey, we can restore this for you and do all that. Uh, essentially, George St. Pierre. <laughs> and I uh, and I thought about it. But I'm like, uh, no, just let's just try it one day. So I shave it. And just happens to be the same as, as I'm done shaving. My mom calls me and I'm on FaceTime with my mom. And she's like, wow, you look good. I was like, what do you mean? See? And she's like, you do something with your face, something. I was like, you didn't notice I have no hair. She's like, oh, that's what it is. It looks good. And then my girlfriend at the time, my girlfriend said I look good, too. So I'm like, all right. It's over. By the way, that's how you know you're losing your hair. That's how, when, when, when your mother goes, wait, what's different about you? And you go, my hair's gone. And she goes, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's how you know that it was <laughs> that it was going anyway. So it was probably the right move. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know how many people like people like they try to hold on too long. Just this morning at my jiu-jitsu mm. school, one of my buddies, I know this guy, one of my oldest friends, he's training with me, right? Chef. And he's a chef and he's got this hair and it's dude, it's, it's, I don't know what he's holding on to. So I go to him, I go, Robbie, when are you going to join the club? I don't meet another bald, another bald guy, Johnny. I go, look at us. I, I go, when are you going to join the club? He goes, I went to Turkey. I got a hair transplant. What are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> it, take, it takes time. You Turkey. You gotta, it takes he goes, time to go. Line. The hand line's here, uh. but it's on fire over here. He yeah, listens it takes to the show. Maybe I should even, I don't want to hurt his feelings, but you got to know. When it's time, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's true. That's true. But oh. we hang on to it. And then your eyes play tricks on you because, yes, it's, it's starting to slide back more and more. But you feel like it's the same. You're like, no, it's, it's still there. It's still there. I'm still alive. But you touch it and you're like, it feels like I can touch the time. Here's how I learned that I was starting to lose it because I couldn't see it from this angle. And my friend is a fellow comedian and he's taller than me. And he goes, ah, your hair is thin and stupid. And I have not been able to stop thinking about my hair is thinning stupid. That's probably seven years ago. He said that to me. I just can't totally go bald. Um, I, I got to hold on to it a little bit, but I, I, I'm 
it, it's going. And it's kind of freeing, isn't it? When you have less, you don't, it doesn't matter. You never have to think about it anymore. It's just gone. Yeah, but yeah, but Jimmy, you're not fully in the club. All it is, is, you know, when you get in the club, all it is, is have, you know, that one compliment from the opposite sex and you're like, all right, I'm in, I'm all in. Uh, yeah, as soon as somebody tells you it looks good, then you're like, yeah. all right, it was worth it's it. Like, yeah, it's growing on me. It looks so bad. It's growing. Have you cut yourself yet? Because I, I have shaved all the way down before. And I, I've, wind, I've wound up, I've always cut my head a few times. Have you done that yet? No, I haven't. See, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm black, so I can't razor my head. No, oh. that's a bad news. So, uh, yeah, I use the, the trimmers and I get it as close as possible. You get it that close with just a trimmer? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. used to buzz my head with a buzzer. And now I'm a big man. I don't. I sh- you get a, you end up just getting used to just shaving it yourself. And <laughs> look at me, I got the fucking head of a Rottweiler too. So it's not like I got a little fucking peanut head where I can just beep beep this thing. And I have fucking gouged myself where and that shit's like a faucet. Yeah, you the paper on your head and shit. But let's let's keep it positive. It's a good move. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah like, you look uh, champ. You know what I'm thinking. You know, I was there live, one of the few people there live when you fought on, on Fight Island the first time versus um, uh, Game Bread. And it was a it was it was a, a solid win. You know, where is the mo- I mean, listen, the motivation to defend the belt alone is, is, is what it is. But for him specifically, is it you just want to put a stamp on it or you already beat him? Where is the extra coming from? Not that noise exactly, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you could add that noise too. Uh, it's um, it just comes from you know, there is there's something in me as far as, as competitive wise. When I compete, you know, I want to have that appetite satisfied when I leave there. Now, I don't care whether it was a hard fight or a close fight or or a decision or finish. Doesn't matter as long as that appetite is satisfied, then I can move on. And um, and I didn't necessarily feel that. With, with with the fight you know the moment i walked out of there because i knew what i what i was dealing with coming in you know i took the fight on on yes they they we agreed upon terms on, on six uh six days but you know i i had less than that to prepare for the fight you know having to you know fly home fly back and and, and cut the weight and all the while quarantining in vegas and then flying out there um it it, it was a lot but yeah, I got through. And then, of course, having a shattered nose and I barely walked half that camp because I had uh, a really, really bad bunion and having to train through all that and then go out there and have to fight him. And I still dominated him. But when I walked out of there, I just knew what I was dealing with and I knew that I could perform a lot better had circumstances be different, had I had a little bit more time. So, um, you know, that was just kind of the driving force. You know, it was like, yeah, I, I need to satisfy because I don't care about him. I already beat him. I don't, you know, I'm doing him a favor by fighting him again, you know, but um, I just needed to satisfy that appetite. What was your emotions like after the, the Gilbert Burns win? Um, you, you seem frustrated that you, you feel like people aren't seeing you the way they should see you or respecting you or, and uh, it was, I was glad to hear you say that or, and that, that you felt that way. But I mean, do people maybe, maybe people don't vocalize it as much, but I think people have a tremendous amount of respect for you as a champion and a dominant champion. Uh, are you not feeling that from, from people or from the press? Um, it w- that wasn't necessarily about uh, the people or the press. It, you know, like I was dealing with a lot of things internally going into that fight. I mean, it, it was a, 
you know, as much as people can say it's business, that was, that was more personal because, you know, Gilbert is someone that I knew um, and someone that I trained with for years and we shared a common goal and, and we're helping each other trying to achieve that in our respectful weight. And now him coming up to my weight and saying that I want what you have, what you work for, what I know you work for, what I helped you work for. I want that, you know, it, it, it took me to a certain place to where, you know, I felt, you know, disrespected, like to the point where it was kind of like, you know, um, to the point where it was like the fact that it was like, oh, I can take that from you was kind of like, really? So you think the work and all the stuff that I put into this wasn't worthy? It's not enough. Like I, I haven't, you know, I'm not that guy. And then, of course, the, you know, the media and the press and, you know, some of our crappy fans and, our, you know, don't, you know, seem to share that same notion. Like, oh, yeah, you're, you're not that guy. And so it was kind of like putting a seal on it. Like, you know, you know, have some respect, you know, like I worked to earn this. I know how hard it is to get to the top of the mountain. And it's even harder staying up here, getting up every day to still come back. And, and yeah, I just felt that I was emotional. I mean, it, it is after a fight, you're, you're emotional, you're walking around yeah, King Kong. And then all of a sudden I realized, Oh, that's my friend. That's my buddy, you know, but you know, it's over with and done. And I, you know, we move forward. You were in Francis's corner against Stipe, the takedown defense. I think everybody knew that it was getting better, but it was, it was so much more advanced than I think any of us were prepared for, especially against a guy like Stipe, who's so good at getting in and getting uh, the takedown in that first fight. So was that, was that a lot of your handiwork or a lot of what you guys had worked on together? No, I mean, Francis is, um, Francis is, is such a self-made guy to where he understands. And, and, and like myself, we're, we're honest about what we do, which I think is very, very important in getting you to a certain uh, level is you have to be honest with yourself. If you suck at stand-up and you know, I need to go correct this. Um, and if you're, if you're, you know, you suck at your wrestling, you gotta be able to tell yourself, I suck at this and I need to get better at this. And that's what Francis did. He made a lot of mistakes in that first go around. And throughout the process, me and him, you know, I, I remember we had frequent talks about, you know, what he needed to change and what he, he felt like he needed to do in order to get to that place. And he did that work. You know, me being there wasn't, oh, I showed him that or showed him that. You know, me being there was more of, of letting him know that it's okay to be great. You know, you know you've put the work in. It's okay to just to, to feel the way that you feel. Enjoy the moment and go out there and perform. And he did just that. I mean, Francis, uh, he put in the work. He put in all the effort. And, and he should definitely reap the benefits from now on. Such a nice guy, too. Yeah. Doesn't he have that big, warm, deadly teddy bear, no? Francis? <laughs> I wouldn't say teddy bear. <laughs> I wouldn't say teddy bear. But, uh, uh, yeah, very friendly guy. I know you had some issues with uh, Ben Askren before. Did you watch that whole debacle? Yeah, I watched it. And, uh, you know, it's not – you know, a lot of people are saying that I had issues with him. I, I didn't necessarily have issues with the guy. I had issues with – it's um, the way he, he he approached me, the way he came at me. Because I never, I, I've heard, I, of course, in the wrestling circles, very small. And I've heard of Ben Askren. And apparently Ben Askren has heard of me. But I, we've never really, like, met and crossed paths and be, were friends or anything like that. Yeah. We never that. 
And then now he's getting the opportunity to come into the UFC and I'm the top dog. And he's like, and obviously, of course, he's just wanting to pick at the top guy just to get himself and his name yeah. in the mix. And, uh, and he's kind of posing like with friends. He's saying, oh, Marty and this and that, calling me that. No, the people who get to call me that are the people that know me from that circle. Those are the wrestling circles. So that was just my tip is I don't I've never known you. You don't know me. So don't don't act like we're friends or we're buddies. We're not. You know, only the people who know me from that circle can call me that. And that was that whole situation. But I, I, I was never I never had an issue with him in any sense. But like, come on, let's let's all be honest. Um, who didn't think what happened Saturday was going to happen? I can me, this asshole, no, this asshole right here. Come on, man. Like, really? I listen, got bamboozled. Honest, I did get bamboozled. I thought he was going to be tying him up a lot. And I thought this young kid never really fought anybody. So I thought he would do a lot of the kid trying to knock him out because he's young. Then tying him up, tying him up, maybe getting him tired. And then, you know, pity patting him, you know. I thought See, that was going to be honest. You know? See, that's the, co- that's the coach and that's the sensible fighter in you. Is that's exactly that's the path to victory right there is do just that. And he, and he did in the first what opening 35, 40 seconds. And the, you can see the kids swinging for the fences and trying to trying to get him out of there. And that's obviously the path to to victory. But I guess you get a little confident and you think, all right, let me stand in the center. And, uh, you know, I've got the hang of this thing. And no, you know, that's not your world. And, uh, and it definitely showed. I stupidly picked. I, I thought Askren was going to win quickly. That's how dumb I am. But I, I, my thinking was also that even though he's never been a great striker, he's not known as a striker, that he still fought good strikers. And he still had to stay out of the way of, 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 of the punches of good strikers and kicks. So I figured his head movement, and he, and he has enough ability to get out of the way of a punch, or he's seen other professional fighters throwing punches. But I, obviously I was completely incorrect because that right came up um, and landed pretty cleanly. Yeah, not completely. I mean, because he uh, he he slipped a, a a jab, you know, in that in that first ex- first couple of exchanges, he slipped the jab and countered with the overhand, you know. So yeah, your your assessment was right. You know, he being able to fight, having fought strikers, um, you know, you get the sense that you should be able to understand how to get out of the way, and he he kind of showed that in a little bit. But uh, you know, when you start to get a little confident in the world that you're not, you know, you're not well versed in, and it showed. I don't know how hard could you have really trained if your back looks like you have that crease in it with the fat. Like, yeah. how could you, like, did you really not train at all? Because if you did, he looked like I'm me. He looked like me from the back. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm looking at that. I go, listen, dude, I'm, I'm not taking my shirt off next to tomorrow at the pool, but I'll take my shirt off next to Ben Askren on his best day. But in this thing, I didn't expect him to look so out of shape. So I'm like, oh, it's trained wow. at all. And does it hurt his? legacy where at one point he was considered could he beat george st pierre could he be the best of all time because he's beating everybody in mixed martial arts and he's using his wrestling and he's doing he's being so dominant and it's kind of not i don't want to say sad because the dude did he did walk away with a million bucks whatever it is yeah he seems happy with his i know his point with he still gets to live his regular life anyway of teaching wrestling and podcasting i understand but are you are you is your is your legacy taking a hit with a spectacle like this and going out like that, do you think it's taking a hit? Um, that's that's a very very good question, and it's another part to that question. It's um, if if you want to say it, it, legacy, uh, uh, as far as what people consider legacy and, and all that, I, I, no, I don't think he gives a shit. You know, because at the end of the day, I don't think he cares. 
But legacy, as far as a competitor, knowing what makes you compete, that drive on the inside, because you know how it is. If you're standing next to a man, uh, you know, another man, you, you kind of size him up. It's, it's, it's in our nature. It's inside of us. So as far as legacy, as far as that, and knowing that you have been winning and you have been successful in so many different aspects of martial arts, and then going out there now, it feels like you're selling out just for the money because you you know, you knew you didn't have a chance, but you were selling out for the money. Yeah, I think in that sense, yeah, it does start to hurt your legacy because now you go from a real competitor to just, you know, a pony dancing for money. I think it's hard for anybody who's had success in MMA just to go to pure boxing because even if you're you're predominantly a strike, you're still losing half of your weapons. Like there's the, the threat of a takedown or throwing a kick or, or just, and again, when you grab a hold of somebody, putting them on the ground, all these things that are probably second nature to you guys, you can't do when you're boxing. So you're taking away a guy's you know, half of the, like the, 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 the muscle memory or the instincts that somebody would have uh, when they tie up or when they get close. So I, I think it's hard to go to boxing and, and lose half of those weapons. But it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous how, you know, some of these boxers now are saying, yeah, come fight me, come fight me. That's ridiculous. That's boxing is an art. It's just it's that form. And that's what you've been doing forever. But you talk about a, a fight. That's not necessarily a fight. There's only three positions in a fight that you could end up and two thirds of those positions are on the ground. That's a fight. You know, so so to say, oh, yeah, let's fight. No, that's not a fight. And, and, and the situation, the incident that happened in the locker room with those two individuals, like at the end of the day that like, what do you mean? Like there's there's a reason the boxers are now looking at us and saying, oh, yeah, come fight me here. Come fight me. Here. We're, we're we're considered fighters. We're getting more popularity and we're growing faster than they are now. Like boxing has been around forever. Why do I need to go fight you in boxing? Obviously, what I'm doing is work. It's been getting me the attention that I needed, which is why you're looking at me and saying, no, let's fight. No, you want to fight me? All right. Show that you're man enough and step in here and actually fight me in a fight. You know, don't don't say, oh, yeah, put the big poofy gloves on something that we train. This is what we used to train. That's what we train. in. That's not even what we fight. That's what we train in. Yeah. Come come on here and, and fight me with this. No, you want to fight. You want to be a real man and, and actually fight. Come in here and fight me. Because if you got in a fist fight and the guy grabs you two thirds of that fight, is going to end up on the ground at some point. So come fight me in here. You know, and it was a little sad watching that that situation backstage because it's like, and if I was one set individual and, and a boxer was, you know, being that disrespectful to me back there, uh, it, w- it would have been a different story. What happened backstage? I, I'm not I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. This is what he's talking about. That one of the I don't know the dude's name. That one of the trainers was mouthing off to uh, Woodley. Uh, Tyrone Woodley, our good friend, was watching. Uh, you know, um, him get his hands wrapped. Uh, Jake Jake Paul. Yeah. And and his train is like, you know, what do you think about these young champ? What do you he's telling him the gloves? You don't know nothing about this. You know, he was being disrespectful to T Wood. And Woodley handled it. I'll tell you right now, Kamaro, between me and you, handled it way better than I would have. I would have said, hey, dude, you lock us, me and you in this fight. How about fuck the gloves? Everybody, let's lock each other in the room. We'll see which who gets out, basically, yeah. fucker. I, 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 I that's Wood Woodley's very calm. You know, he told him he's got his champ, you know, you know, he handled it way more mature than I would have. Yeah. Whereas this fucking now this boxing guy who nobody knows this motherfucker. You nobody knows him. Nobody knows this guy. You walk down the street, you say, you know, nobody knows this guy. So he's like trying to talk shit to Woodley and he's being a little disrespectful. 
Uh, I'm with Kamara on that. It made it got it gave it irked the shit out of me. Yeah. While Daniel Cormier got very upset about it and was like, "Who are these fucking clowns talking shit?" Meanwhile, they can get their limbs ripped off. They have no idea. They really yeah. don't. Well, they would strangle them. He'd put them on the floor and Fuck, strangle them. They want to do to these fucking boxes. Anything you want to do. So. Yeah, and, and that's that's just that's just uh you know that's just the times that we're in now is um is. We're in this era to where now fame can easily equate to uh, an amount, uh, uh, an immense amount of, of, of cash, of money. You know, when, when ever in history have you really seen, um, you know, someone go, oh, yeah, I'm a fa- famous guy, you know, an actor or a famous uh, guy go, you know what, I'm going to challenge Mike Tyson. Back in those days, <laughs> what never heard of, yeah. you know, it would never happen because they, they understood what would have happened, you know, and now we're in that era to where just because I've got a little bit of following on the internet, I can say, you know what, Floyd, I want to fight you and it get attention. And, and, and this actually potentially happened, you know, and we're just living in that era right now. It's just a different time to where, you know, these guys can do that and, and pick and choose. Like, let's be honest. If you really said, all right, I want to fight. I want to, I want to really, I want to fight the best representative in that. That's, that's my weight class. That's, that's my weight class. Why wouldn't you say, okay, Dana White, you want, you know what? Put up your, your top dog, put up your best. Why wouldn't you say that? You know, so these guys are still staring the narrative every way they want. And, and this is exactly the, the, the answer. This is exactly what they wanted. This is the end result. So we have to sit here and we're going to have to have these conversations about guys that are completely irrelevant. It's true, man. How do you feel, too, to be going back in front of a live crowd? I mean, a massive uh, like the first, you know, real, real audience back. Uh, How does that feel like? Did you kind of adapt a little bit to fighting without the crowd or does that not affect you at all? It really doesn't affect me. I think, uh, if anything, it it probably helps my um, my opponents, you know, because. I'm, I'm just versed in every way. Like I've, I've been wrestling in, in full in, in gyms. I've been wrestling in basketball gyms with nobody in them when I was a kid. And, and, you know, so I've built up that awareness to where I don't, I didn't care who was around. I was still going to be able to go out there and perform. And so I've done it with fans there. I've done it without fans there, you know? So it, for me, it doesn't really matter. It's just about me going out and being the best version of myself. Well, look, we're uh, we love you and uh, we're happy you are back on uh, with it. I can't believe it's been a year since we talked to you. I said it to Matt before. I cannot believe it's been. I think it was April of 2020, unless our producers are incorrect. But I think that's how long it's been. So uh, we're happy you're fighting on this first card. uh, You and Matt Vidal, too. And also the uh, uh, Wiley uh, against um, Rose is a great fight. Andrade against uh, Shevchenko. I mean. What an Wyman, amazing Uriah card. Hall. No, it's an insane card. Uriah Hall, yeah. Weidman, yes. And then Anthony Smith against Jimmy Crute as, as the first fight. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to it. And uh, we'll definitely talk to you after. And, uh, you know, I hope you feel like you're getting the respect you deserve because you certainly deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. I love that soundbite, though, Camaro, man. Put some respect on my name. No matter <laughs> why you said that reason alone, just that you said that, you know, that soundbite was worth yeah. it. I like when you're pissed off. All right, Camaro. Good talking to you, buddy. Take care. Thank you. Support for UFC Unfiltered comes from the official hair restoration partner of UFC, 
Hair Club. UFC fans notoriously take pride in the way they look. But if you're not dedicated to your hair health, you're not giving 100%. No matter what stage of hair loss you're experiencing, Hair Club is here to help personalize a solution for you. Hair Club offers hundreds of combinations of solutions to regrow, replace, or restore your hair. Costs shouldn't get in the way of confidence. That's why Hair Club offers hundreds of combinations of products and services for different hair care needs and budgets. Their team of hair health and hair loss experts can get your hair in shape, invest in yourself, and find out which Hair Club solution will work for you. Schedule a free, no-obligation hair health checkup and receive 10% off select solutions by visiting hairclub.com slash UFC or texting KNOCKOUT to 694-247. Text KNOCKOUT to 69-4247 or go to hairclub.com slash UFC to schedule a free, no-obligation hair health checkup and receive 10% off select solutions. Hair Club, love your hair, live your life. Today's episode is brought to you by Devour, the official frozen meal of the UFC. They put big flavor first with premium meats, creamy sauces, and gooey cheeses. How good does this sound, Matt? Check out their buffalo chicken mac and cheese the next time you're in the freezer aisle. Mothered in a spicy buffalo cheddar cheese sauce that'll knock your socks off. Or how about their loaded potatoes with Angus beef and bacon? God, that sounds good. It's, you guessed it, loaded with crispy bacon and delicious hunks of Angus beef. This sounds so good. Whatever you choose, Devour Meals is the new favorite frozen meal. I love Devour, Jimmy, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get nuts with the meals, Jimmy. Devour Meals, the official frozen meal of the UFC. Hey, Carl. Hi, Jim. How are you, Colin? Nice to meet you, buddy. Nice to meet you. Huge fan. I was just bringing up to Jimmy how I used to watch you on remote control. Yes. Remember yeah. that? Obviously, it was ages Not ago. only do I remember it, but I knew that's what you were bringing up because I saw Jim's awkwardness of trying not to say he hated that show. No, I never really saw it. It's fine. I've seen clip- <laughs> I didn't. I remember. Adam Sandler was the guest on there, too. Adam Sandler, Dennis Leary, they were all on there. What, what is that behind you? It's me. He's got a is that you? Mouth, I think. Speaking of remote control, one of my fans, when she was a little girl, her grandmother used to take her to remote control. I've known her for like, since she was like seven. And over the years, she became an artist, she became like a hundred different things. And she sent me that a couple of years ago. And I met her on oh, remote control. Nice. I like it. I, I, I met you. Matt was asking me before you came in, where we, did we meet before or after that? And I met you. Like, I knew you from the show. I was aware of the show. But I think it was after remote control. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, what I'm making fun of is you're trying to be straight instead of trashing me like you wanted to. You're like, well, Matt, yes, I do remember the show. Instead of attacking me brutally, which is what your instinct, every fiber <laughs> wanted to do. Colin, we all know Jimmy is far from straight. Don't worry. We're all right there. We, we are, we're familiar with our Jimmy Bird. Colin, do you watch any of the fights, by the way? Do you watch any of the MMA? It makes much more Sometimes I do. You know what I mean? Over the years, I've probably watched like 20. Yeah, so you're not used to your... Less boxing. than a casual fan. You're a boxing guy. Is that right? Well, I was a Bob. I've always been. A, I was like boxing, but even then, I'm just. I'm not. I don't watch any sports since I was a kid. I used to be a sports guy, but, uh, but yeah, MMA. I watch it once in a while, but I mean, I watch it on YouTube. Do you now with boxing? Do you? Uh, did you see the Ben Askren fight that we were just talking about? The uh, Jake, the YouTuber, Jake Paul against Ben Askren. No, I did not. 
Okay. It was, it was a very, it was about a minute and a half. It lasted. It was kind of an embarrassing it's yeah. more of a pop culture thing than a. I saw the Jake Paul. Uh, what's his name? Williams fight. Uh, what's his name? You know, Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson. He knocked him out. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He knocked him quick, quickly. How are you feeling in this fight? Uh, this happened as well. Yeah. Very, very fast. No, no. What happened? Oh, first round knockout. It was, uh, I guess, less than two minutes in. He knocked uh, uh, Ben Askren out. So, Matt, what do you think about a guy like Jake Paul? Because he seems to me like he doesn't uh, have defense. And I'm not saying that to challenge him like I'm going to fight him next. But if that's what it comes to, I'm ready. It's hard to tell because he's not fighting. He's not fighting any boxers. He's yet. He didn't fight a boxer yet. He fought no. a couple of YouTube guys. He fought a basketball player. And right. then he just fought Ben Askren, who's got arguably the worst hands in MMA. And we love Ben. He's got some of the right. best wrestling in MMA. Right. But you can't use that in a boxing ring. So, you know, I mean, he's picking his opponents very smart. He's obviously got power. He's yeah. a, he looks like a, an athlete, nice, uh, a strong kid. Yeah, and, uh, he looks like he's getting some um, working in the gym, but we're not going to know until he goes versus another straight up. Right. How, about another, how about fighting another boxer? <laughs> you fight, yeah. He's getting, you know, he's fighting everybody. He's fighting a basketball guy, a YouTube guy, a, a wrestling MMA guy. Well, even a lot of your a lot of your fights, uh, you know, from my fights I used to watch was you would win with boxing because I feel like boxing is so striking, as we call it. See, I'm in the game, guys. Yeah, I'm not completely out of it. And you know what I mean? Position before submission. I know this. I know what's going on. That is good. I use that all the. I might have yelled that this morning in my jujitsu class. That's good. <laughs> he knows that. That's good. Nothing infuriates me more than the fact that Norton, since he's working with you, one of the masters of a game, doesn't train in MMA. It drives me nuts. Well, hold on. In fairness, now, Matt, I'm in New York. I'm in the city. Matt's in uh, Long Island. I did start training, but then everything got shut down. I was training kickboxing uh, with Jimmy Rivera, who is not far from where I live. But then everything shut down and the gym shut down. But I was going like three times a week. I loved it. Well, kickboxing is perfect because one thing about Jim, which a lot of the fans probably don't know, he has very shapely and strong legs. Yes, I do. Thank you. Like a young pony. Yeah, <laughs> I do have very good calves. The Norton calves are very underrated. Norton calves are very impressive. So kickboxing might be the right move for you. Yeah, you didn't but want I, to brag, but go ahead, Jimmy. Show me the shadow boxing. Show Colin what you've been learning. Well, I can't because I don't want to hit the mic. You know what oh, I mean? All right, all right. But uh, I, I would go in like that. And I would just throw it out. And then I would duck. You know, I was Whoa. trying to do the peekaboo that Tyson did. Oh, well, that's peekaboo. All right, you should literally <laughs> block your whole eyesight on that one. <laughs> that was what they pointed out to me. That, that was a mistake I was making. <laughs> um, I. I, I loved it though. I loved it. I want. I'm going to start taking it again soon because I think things are opening up again in the gym. You know, so I really, uh, I love doing. I was doing that in regular workouts. I was doing privates and uh, and classes. Well, nobody asked for the full schedule, but thanks. No, uh, but I wanted to let you know the the extent of my training and expertise. Exactly, but you really went by. It was like reading a, a Equinox class schedule. Enough. We get it. <laughs> You're back working out. You're looking forward to kickboxing, Matt. What I'm trying to say. <laughs> by the way, Matt. I, I knew you're from East Meadow. Fuck yeah, yeah, East Meadow. You from Long Island? Where are you from? Are you from Brooklyn? I'm from Brooklyn, but basically, I know East Meadow because it's one of one of those Irish Nassau County towns that we love. Yes. I mean, I know you worked. Uh, you you probably was at uh, was it Governors? That was right in Levittown. I was at Governors on Saturday. My school that got taken down by COVID is right in the parking lot. It's right. Holy Trinity. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, my, I'm sorry. My jujitsu school, I should have said. Oh, okay. Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity. I used to run the track like out yeah. of a, a fucking low budget Rocky uh, knockoff. 
Nice to fucking <laughs> drink my shake and get there on the fucking Holy Trinity track. And so you, your place is in, uh, in Levittown too, huh? It was in Levittown, but COVID took that one out. Jimmy knows that. But yeah. I still have a school in Huntington, Long Island. Right, right. So there's another theater over there. If you're playing over there, you can stop by for an online. The Paramount. Go to yes, I would love yeah. it. It's on Jericho Turnpike. That's where my school Yeah, is. so how was how Governor's? How is, how is it doing gigs again? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, it's fantastic. No, it was good. I mean, it was a good, you know, they're only allowed to have like 90 people there. And 90 people backstage, too, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, it, was, it was a good show. It was a good show. Do, do they have plexiglass in the front of the stage? I think when Dice did it, they had plexiglass up. Or, or hey, you just... Hey, gay! No. <laughs> no. Now, Colin, you've been doing this, obviously, as long as Jimmy, around that, if not longer. Oh, how, did it, how did it feel for the first time? And, 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 you know, you're a comics comic. How does it feel? Like this last year when all of a sudden your life is that much different where you can no longer play these rooms or anything. I mean, that must, that must be just fucking insane to you. A guy has been doing it all his life. I felt a great, a great deal of relief. Shockingly. <laughs> it's almost like those. I know I was shocked too. I don't know how Jimmy felt about it, but I was like, I, I realized I love the shut in lifestyle. I love not going out, not doing it. I just, you know, I don't know. Oh, you embraced when it. I went, even when I went back last week, I was like, all right, this is okay. But, you know, I wasn't like, ooh, it's great to get back up there. I've been doing this a long time, you know. You know what felt good about it? It's weird because nobody else was doing it. So I was also able to kind of go like, yeah, it's okay just to not do it for a while because no one else was. If everyone else was still working, I would have probably hated it, uh, you know, to yeah. be off for that time. But uh, no, it wasn't yeah. that bad for me either. It feels like it's coming back, though. It feels like the normalcy is... That they, they wanted to do that whole new fucking normal, but it feels like they didn't win on that. Does that make sense? I like they were pushing it. I felt like we were never leaving the fucking house again. Like, I, know. I don't know. From kids going to school to fucking I, still, mean, I still can't hear a lot of that. Yeah. Now you got uh you got the vaccine kind of how was the, the second dose of the vaccine? I haven't done it yet. Um for me it was uh 36 hours. It was it was like having COVID, you know. I had COVID. And uh it was very similar, you know. What the I fuck? Why would you want that? <laughs> Not that you want that, but why would you? You think that you had it, you had the antibodies, so you just yeah, said, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway? I like to soup it up a little bit. You know, I like to get the antibodies, because they said it supercharges it if you have COVID and you get the antibodies. But then they keep saying you need another shot. every. They don't know what's going on, you know what I mean? We don't know what's happening. Do you Have you flown yet? I flew, yeah, once. And was it nerve-wracking or you didn't care? No, I don't even care. Even when I had COVID, I didn't care that much. It was really unbelievable since I had a heart attack, you know, but it's like, I don't care, you know? I mean, because, you know, you're just rolling with it. And it seems like it's only hitting, mo for the most part, anybody can get anything, but it, it's only hitting people, you know, at a certain age with certain pre-existing conditions. Yeah, you know what, dude? <laughs> <laughs> How long are you going? You got to be sure Bobby's okay. Shit. <laughs> God. Uh, wait, now, Colin, when did you have a heart attack? How long ago? Oh, uh, like two, two years ago. Two, and a, two, whoa. two or two years ago? Two or two? Three years ago. Now, after that happens, do they, is it like walking on eggshells in the beginning? Like, ah, I'm not going to go up the stairs or am I, what do they tell you? Do you have blockage? What? What is? Yeah, they give you stents. So that just gives you, you know, it depends on the kind of heart attack you had, but, you know, they say they give you stents and then, 
you know, you go right back. I mean, a month later, I was walking around, going to the gym, exercising. You know what I mean? Felt good. How, how, but how, how fast is it? Like, you're terrified for a while. Like, Kevin Smith had a heart attack, and he dropped, like, 100 pounds or whatever, and now he's yeah. just eating really healthy. How long is it before you're like, eh, all right, I can just kind of eat something that I want to eat and not have to worry about it? Um, well, I mean, I... We, my second day in the hospital, I made my friend get me a couple of cans of Coke. Okay. All right. So that was, it was about a 24-hour period. About 48 hours. 48 hours of really just rigorous dieting. I was in the hospital. I go, get me some Coke. I want a Coca-Cola. He goes, oh, you shouldn't get it. I go, just get me some Cokes. Something about when you just say something like irritable, people feel like they're not cool if they don't get it, you know? Yeah, or like, you know better. Just get me a Coke. Oh, he must be right. He's laying here in the hospital. Of course he knows. Yeah. um, Yeah. I was going to say, is everything back? Like, do you have to keep going for checkups? How often do you got to go? Obviously, once a year, once every six months to make sure that they're uh, they're good? Yeah, once every six months or a year. I don't know. I mean, the only good thing was when I had COVID, they gave me the infusion because I had pre-existing condition. What do you mean the infusion? What's the infusion? Uh, maybe I shouldn't have, we're not supposed to talk about it with non pre-existing people. Forget about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I brought it up. Matt, I want to talk about a couple of things, please. First of all, yes. the fact that in that one of the biggest mistakes of my life in 1991, me and my brother drove down to Redondo beach and visited a small, dark, uh, almost like a cave-like room. Machado Jiu-Jitsu. Machado Jiu-Jitsu. What is it? What school is it? Gracie School. The original. It is a Gracie School. Yeah, it was the original Gracie School. It was in Redondo. Oh, my and goodness. Um, you could have been the first black belt. You could have been yes, the first black belt. Yes. yes. I would have beat up Ed O'Neill. And, <laughs> and we went in and loved it. He was great. I think it was, I don't know if it was Horian or one of, you know, hands on. Like, this is before MMA, you know. Oh, but I, get it. I had read some weird article about it somewhere. So I said, let's drive down. It sounds crazy. These guys, are they were like vegetarian. I still remember the article. It was like them on the lawn in Redondo Beach and really? just the vegetarians. And they would just eat fruit once in a while. And they had the school and their grandfather and their father. It was like, yeah. so we drove down, did a free workout. They gave everybody a free class. They're trying to get students at that time, you know. Yeah. And the only reason we I lived in Hollywood – and just because traffic took us two hours to get back, well, like, I'm not going down. I should have moved to Manhattan Beach and driven to Redondo every day. I'd be I'd be one of the I'd be a member of the Gracie fam- family right now. Do you enjoy the process? Do you remember the, the what kind of you were doing? I lo- we loved it. My brother loved it even more. My brother, if I had said, let's move, my brother would have moved because sure. I took judo when I was eight. I took judo in, in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn, they had a judo place. And I loved judo, but when I, and even though we were getting CTE in those days, I could still count to 10 in Japanese, but yeah. in those days they would just bang you on the ground. So you hit your head every time. So okay. every time I loved judo, I had this horrible headache, but I loved going there. You know what I mean? There's I think a reason. Me. Yeah. There's a How reason long? why there's, I was going to say, there's a reason why there's not a judo school on every corner. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's pretty rough, man. Whose knees are blown out. Their backs are getting thrown. Jiu-jitsu is a lot more. It's just so much more gentler. and It's more deliberate, right? They don't just, they don't just, like in the school, they just take and start flinging. You know, it was, it was yeah. the late 60s. It's a long That's time amazing. Ago. That's amazing that you went to the, the very first Gracie school out of a Horion's garage 
That's the Jimmy. Did you know that about one of your best friends? I did not. I, I, I assumed he took judo just being in the shape he's in. Couldn't be an accident. So I assumed there was some training, but I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't know. And of hope, not only was I fantasizing about it, I should have done that. But when I think back on it, I go, I could have lived at the beach, only ate vegetables like the Gracie's. You realize back in those days, I don't know if they're still like that. The Gracie's only ate vegetarian. And once in a while, they get crazy and have some fruit. That's what it said in the article. They had something called the Gracie diet where it's fruits and nuts and berries. Nice. I, I was on the Henzo Gracie diet. He'd go, ah, he'd go to McDonald's and shit. He wouldn't give a fuck. <laughs> Henzo's funny. And where did you study with him in the city? Yeah, in Manhattan. Yeah, in Manhattan. That was in the early days of the Gracies in Manhattan. Henzo, Henzo's, when I, I was training with his American business partner, Craig Kukuk, a couple of years before he moved here. But in 1996, Henzo came over. Wow. And since really? he came over, he took me under his wing. I was working in a security guard booth. He took me out of there and he had me scrubbing the toilets, teaching the beginners and doing privates. And now I'm hanging out with Jimmy Norton. Look at me. Yep. Yep. I love it. <laughs> I always got weird with jujitsu too. It scared me. Like I, the idea of somebody sweating on my face. Kind of, uh, I was what's been on your fucking face. You that's the irony, I know (laughs) that's ridiculous. Why, yeah, why would that bother you? First of all, it's a a gentleman's sport. Grab even when we had that one lesson with the Gracies, you could feel the excitement. I I still remember some of the kids in the class, like kids, but they were in their 20s and 30s. Like, one was like this fat, sloppy looking kid with long hair, it was like the early 90s. People had long hair, and it was just this dark room, but the energy was just so, yeah, like. Exciting, like when they became big, I wasn't that surprised because you could even feel in this little room and <laughs> just the confidence, you know, their personalities. Yes. They're just so like extroverted and just confident, you know what I mean? And they're skinny, skinny guys, you know? Yeah, very, bro, they're in great shape. Yeah. But they're very, uh, but the only reason I quit judo was not because of my CTE, it was because I took the yellow belt test. This is when downtown Brooklyn, we take the bus, we're like eight years old, take the bus by yourself. And it was like, yeah. I took a yellow belt test and the kid was smaller than me and he got the yellow belt and I didn't, even though, you know, not that he beat me to this day, I'll stand, but it was a draw, almost a draw. And just the fact that he was smaller than me and I was a sore loser by nature, I quit judo after that. How long did you take it until you get the yellow belt test? Um, why do you have to say it like that, Jimmy? Can't you say it with a little reverence for the art? Yeah, I probably should. That probably was a shitty way to deliver that. So how long until you, you got say to that, that point? You talk like that to me. You go to Okinawa and talk shit like that. And <laughs> <laughs> Colin, if he remembers any throws, if you could throw Jimmy. Well, that was, Jimmy. I only took it about five times. But let me tell you something. That the little bit they taught me, I used in every fight, every fight that I won, those two throws worked. That's great. So I, really? I love that. That good. Every fight I had in the street. And it stays with you because you were a little kid. It's true. It's awesome. Right? All your original moves, probably you still would use them immediately, intuitively. Yeah, you would. I'm sure, of course yeah. you would. That's so great, man. I think that's so wild that you were at that first Gracie. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you trained in martial arts. I knew you had the, the joke about uh, tra- training with your sister on a throw rug. So I assume that you had trained at one point, but I'm like, I didn't realize you actually took judo. I don't think you could say five times is trained, but yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, I dabbled. I dabbled. But I love the, uh, I love, I should have gone to the Gracie school. You know, like Matt was saying, I would be one of you. I would be like a black, I would be a Gracie. I'd be a Gracie like insider. 
like in a yeah. way that nobody else would, including Ed O'Neill. I've always been jealous of Ed O'Neill because Ed O'Neill did exactly what he should do. He kept going there, kept going there, and look at him now. How, wait, Ed O'Neill from Married with Children, right? Yes. He's got- modern family. So black belt jujitsu. He's yeah, he's he's under Horion. He's good friends with Horion Gracie. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. People always used to say, I remind them of Ed O'Neill. So, you know, yeah, I can see that. Maybe they sensed that you were close to that world. Maybe they sensed that you were involved in it in a peripheral way. And it just kind of, uh, it reminded them of him. But it was really cool because it was so, when they, when the MMA started to get big, I was like, tell my brother, I go, remember those guys? It was such a low, just a simple, humble school. There was no yeah. light. It was just like you said, it was a garage. Yeah. No. And then it became this big, they really opened the whole world. Hundred percent. I remember going the first time. It was 1992 with Horion and Hoyce uh, doing a seminar in Waterbury, Connecticut, out of some gymnasium uh, that some Jukundo guy brought them down. And that was before the first UFC in 1993. And I remember them talking about the event that's going to be on pay per view. And I'm thinking to myself, I was I was 18 at the time, and I'm thinking, there's no way this is fucking happening. You know what I mean? This is they're talking about like blood sport. This is, and then it ended up. A year later, I saw Hoist, uh, Hoist in there, and I'm like, holy shit. So, yeah, I'm right there with you, Colin. That's crazy. By the way, Bloodsport is one of the great underrated movies of all time. I was just watching it again recently. Does it hold up? Was that Frank Ducks was his name or Frank Dukes? Frank Dukes. Although Frank Dukes apparently doesn't hold up, according to a lot of people. But the movie is great. Yeah. It's got all these different styles. Remember the one guy's leaping around on the ground and then the other guy's fighting where he's just moving his torso and his hands up. Surprised they didn't reboot that shit yet. Yeah, yeah, put George St. Pierre as the Van Damme role. Yeah, that would be be a great idea. Does it really hold up or are you being sarcastic? It actually does? Well, it holds up if you like. It holds up like Roadhouse, like Patrick (laughs) Swift. Like you love it, you know what I mean? Because it's so over the top, you know what I mean? Yeah, pain doesn't hurt. Pain doesn't, right? What is Roadhouse? What is it? He's getting the staples in him. Yeah. Oh, want anesthesia. Pain doesn't yeah. hurt. It's yeah. uh, easy to eat, really. That's cool. And his best friend is the is the big biker guy, you know. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. <laughs> right? Oh, that's yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about Cap Roadhouse. You're talking about Ogre from fucking Revenge of the Nerds. Right, right. That's the guy. <laughs> I just looked up Ed O'Neill, too, as we're talking. 2007, he got his black belt. So he started in... Uh, it, that was after 22 years. So he started probably in 90, uh, maybe even before 1990, right? Well, you know, there's no way Ed O'Neill started before 1990 because nobody knew about the Gracies except me and my brother before 1991. Okay. So maybe, maybe he's, maybe he, maybe, uh, maybe he's a, he's a brown belt and he's passing himself off as a black belt. Well, it says 14 years ago he received his black belt, but that might not be true. So you're basically thinking you have still have time to catch up. You still have time to catch him. I just feel like if I had done what I was supposed to do, I would have lived in Manhattan Beach, you know, done gigs on the road, airports right there, and then went to the Gracies like six days, four days a week, five days a week. Yeah, but what were you doing in Hollywood? Weren't you doing auditions and doing, you know, and then... You, what? You if I had known what I know now, <laughs> I would have done that. Yeah, but then you might have regretted it, though. You might have went, fuck, I should have lived in Hollywood because I would have done uh, a film or something. But if you even said that to me... And I would study the graces all this year. You'd regret telling me about my regrets. Because I would- <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you something, Colin. Wait, now, when you first, when you got, how, how old were you when you were on remote control? Because I have that. 28. Unless, 
Oh, you were 28. Yeah. So, and that's, that's very young, but is that, was that your first major TV type thing? I mean, yeah. Oh, I mean, that was a, we didn't even know it was major. We thought it was like this stupid, like, you know, we didn't, we were 28. So we weren't like that into MTV and, you know, we thought it was like a, it was the first game show on MTV. We were kind of like, Hey, this is stupid. It's all Brady bunch jokes. No one's going to like this show. Thank God. No one's going to see it. And then me and Ken, the host, and then we go, and the girl, Kari, and we go down to, uh, they said, hey, MTV wants to bring you guys to spring break. Okay. And so we go, all right. We go to spring break, and hundreds of kids start chanting every line we say on the show. Look at and that. that's when we knew it was big. Everywhere we went, it was such a weird show because we walk in the streets of Manhattan or whatever, and everybody under 21 would be screaming and running at us and everyone over 21 was like, who are these assholes? You know what I mean? Like nobody knew us over 21 and everybody under 21 thought we were like these big stars, you know? How many years was it on? Was it two years? It's about two and a half. Yeah. So how many, I'm sorry, Jimmy, but how many years you, you when did you start getting into the business before that? Comedy, you mean? Yeah. yeah, comedy, yeah. Um, 80, maybe 84, 85, 85, probably the end of 84. And that was when, when was the show on? Like three years later. It was three and a half years later. So I was, you didn't have to struggle, man. You just fucking, it came easy to you. No, but I had to struggle in the sense that my act, when I would get these gigs in, you know, at a college in Iowa, my act was so not developed. So I would go out there. And luckily in those days, just the fact that you were there, people were fine. But I would not do that well. And there was a lot of people coming to see me. You know what I mean? So I'd be like. Would you have any uh, less than stellar shows? They were just, I mean, I never bombed because these kids were such good natured, like excited to see you. But I knew it was like, oh, I had to sign autographs for like three hours afterwards just to make up for that show. Did you leave the show or did it end? I leave it. I left it. <laughs> um, why? Did, were you sick of it? Yeah, it was enough. We just started recycling the questions and it was just getting to be like, you know, too much. It was just, nah, you know, it was over. Was there anything on the horizon when you left it? Were you like, oh, I'm walking from this to go do this. And then the thing that you left it for didn't go or, or did you have no plan? Oh yeah. I mean, that's really the story of my whole career, but I mean, uh, yeah, I'm always like, I gotta, I got an idea. I know this is going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. I'm like, <laughs> so that was what happened there. I was in a couple, I went from, uh, you know, being on this MTV show and getting these like good gigs and then back to flying coach Back to staying at the worst hotel in town, doing one-nighters, you know, because like I said, the club scene, nobody knew me. Only kids that were like 15 to 17 knew me, you know? And how long um, did, did, until you noticed that? Like when you walk away from something, like for a while, when I got kicked off the air in 2002, right. I was still seeing a good draw because I had like four or five or six months worth of gigs booked and it was still great. But then after a while, you're like just going into clubs and you're like, oh, so how long did it take before you're like, wow, this is this is definitely wearing off? I would say one day in 1993, this is a true story. And I woke up and opened my eyes and I was looking at my mother and my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I had to move back in with that. <laughs> I swear to God. That was a that was a good hint. <laughs> yeah. Things had tapered. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it was. Well, you're back on the road, Kyle. Um, what do you have coming up? Like, what gigs do you have coming up? Um, oh, where are you going to be? I don't know. I mean, 
I get a, you know, once again, it's always those things. I don't have it right now on the books. I have nothing. Oh, you don't have, I think you had a bunch of weekends booked. You, you've done them already. No, I only did one. I only did Bridgeport and Levittown. Oh, okay. Well, the now, book- Jimmy, I'm reading about the, the, cause I seen clips, I think either on his Instagram or somewhere of the, of the cop show that yeah. it is oh, right. three seasons. Yep. And I want to watch the whole, not just cause my good friend, Jimmy's in there. I heard. Yes. Jimmy, you're into some episodes. I yeah. am, yes. I'm I want to see this thing. It looks freaking hysterical. Very funny. Oh, you'll love it. But Jimmy is Jimmy is great in it. It's very fun. It was a very fun show. Are yeah. you typecast like a little pervert? Who are you in the show? What are you? I it's play different. Fake. Yeah. You're a cop? In one, yeah. yeah. Internal Affairs. <laughs> and how do I see this? It's on Colin's uh, YouTube channel? Yeah. Well, I'm in. I'm going to watch Thanks, it. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. We're going to watch it. And there's one you might recognize, Matt, as Matt is not a fan of Chipperson. So the fact that you may recognize Chip's glasses, because that's where they came from. I stole them from the set of Colin's show. Did you really? Yeah. Look at that's a little fun fact for your little Chipperson fans. Yeah, Yeah. I stole those. I never knew he pilfered from my set, by the way. We're doing this so low budget. Every penny counts. And this bastard stole from the set. I just found out right now. Well, it was it was an accidental stealing. They were in my pocket, and then all of a sudden I was home, and I was like, oh, who knew I had them? And the cab back would have been too expensive. But, yeah, they, there's not even any frames on them. I mean, there's no glass. They're just frames. And I'm well, dying to get a second pair. I don't I don't see it on the notes, but what about the other show you did? I, I used to think it was fucking hysterical, man. You had the comics on a bunch. Tough crowd. Oh, tough crowd, tough yeah, crowd. yeah, yeah, Wait, right? oh, yeah. Right? When was that? How long ago was that? That was 2002 to 2004. Yeah. What? Wait, that was 20 years ago. Wait a second. That's, that was that long ago? No. Yes. Maybe I seen that down a rabbit hole somewhere. Did I see no, that on YouTube? that's one of those things where we all go, you know, oh, my God, I can't believe that was, yeah, it was, it was a long time ago. Now I feel old, but that was funny, too. How many yeah. seasons? Was, were there a few seasons of that? Two. Two years. I don't know how many seasons that it, but two years, yeah. It's weird, man, when some stuff that you enjoy, you think there's more seasons and stuff because you remember some, you Yeah, know, well. Either one of those could have probably had longer seasons, but they didn't. You know? yeah. Well, there's clips of Tough Crowd all over. So you, a lot of times people will see clips and not realize that you know, three of the clips they liked were from the same show. Like they'll, they'll see, uh, you know, it seems like it feels like more, but yeah, it's only two years. You never know what gets brought back either from the, from the audience. Just like the Jimmy, the Snyder's cut that we were all, all right. hoping that they would release. And they released it. The Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. I'm not going to embarrass you in front of your friend. I'm yeah, not going to talk comic book movies. I'm not going to do that. I don't want them to lose respect for me. But well, anyway. yeah, believe me, I don't even know what you're talking about when you said that. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Zack Snyder. Anyway, he did a reshoot of this whole movie he did. But that's neither here nor there. It's no cop show. No. But, you know, Jimmy, what else are we going to plug? Uh, cop show on Colin's YouTube channel and, uh, just, you, you know, your Twitter and Instagram, but I would say if people want to see you live, just go to, uh, go to Twitter and you'll plug the dates there. Do you have a site or do you not even use a website? No, I have one, but I barely go on. Yeah. And his new book is overstated. Oh, right. Yeah. The book coast to coast roast of the 50 States. And yeah. that's out now. Sure. Can I get that in audio book? Yeah. I have an audio book of it. Good. That's a good. Yeah. But you can tell during the audio book, then I'm a little irritated doing it. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> Why? Why? I want to enjoy it. Am I going to be upset? I know, but I just <laughs> try to keep myself in a positive frame of mind when I'm doing it. But I'm like, Jesus. All right. All right, Kyle. I'm going to check it out, man. 
Good seeing you, brother. I'll Good talk to you soon. You. Really All nice right. to meet you, Colin. Matt, great to meet you, man. You think you know Rose Namajunas? Rose lost her first title fight. Flat out lost. Right then and there, she made a decision to stop just fighting and start believing she would become a champion. And look who's number one now. Guaranteed Rate is a mortgage lender who understands the power of belief. Because if you believe, you will. Equal housing lender. Subject to credit approval. Restrictions apply. Company NMLS ID 2611. NMLS org. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, Lion Hizzle? Sorry, I fell asleep. Oh, dude, that's fine, man. I'm a napper myself. Dude, you, a big nap- you a big napper? I'm a huge napper, man. I need my naps or I'll, I, I won't make it through the day. It's true. I can't nap. I, I envy guys. Like, I really, and if you're a good sleeper, you don't know how lucky you are to be able to sleep because I'm a shit sleeper. So I see a guy just put his head. Could you sleep on a plane and anywhere you are? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, every time I get on a plane, it's like my body automatically knows it's time to fall asleep. I think about that sometimes. Like, I can never be one of those like air police. What do you call those air agents? Air marshal. Air marshal. That's not happening. They could, they could be fucking something. They'd be zip tying everybody. I'd be just fucking snoring. <laughs> my headphones. I can't stay awake, man. You know, dude, I, I, I sleep terrible at nighttime. I don't know what the deal is. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I sleep like four or five hours a night, but I, I got to sleep in the middle of the day. I don't know why. Is that, uh, that, that, that experience you had where you, uh, that guy broke into your house and you, and you, you kind of, uh, you know, put a beating on him. Has that affected the way you see things at all? Or has that changed anything or made you more, a little more cautious at night? No, honestly, not really. Uh, I think that was just kind of, a an isolated incident. Um, I don't, I don't suspect he's going to come back. Um, no, I would, I would welcome him if he did, but, yeah. um, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I just think it was just one whack job, you know, that was just all fucked up on pills and whatever else the hell he was doing and just stumbled into the wrong house. Okay. But it did, sometimes something like that will make somebody a little bit paranoid. Like every time they hear a noise they get, but it hasn't affected you. No, no. I mean, my wife and kids um, really had a tough time dealing with that for a long time. Um, and to be honest with you, that I think that pissed me off more than anything. Um, you know, as, as parents, I, I, you know, as a father, I tell my, my wife and kids all the time, I got three daughters and I tell them like, daddy will take care of this. Like if anything ever happens, like I'll, I'll take care of it. So in my stupid fighter brain, I, I feel like, Oh, well, great. I just, I just proved it to you. See, like we're totally good. I got you. Uh, but that's not how it works in, in their brain, you know? So they were, they were super paranoid and, and, and just really bothered them for a long time. My, my kids haven't brought it up in a while. It's, it's been a, a, a I don't know three or four months since I've heard anyone say anything about it. So I think they're starting to get past it as well. I think that if it happened to somebody else on this call, uh, line Hizzle, they would have nightmares, fevered fucking nightmares, just sweaty nightmares. And then Jimmy would be like, Matt, you want to sleep over? I go, Jimmy, I'm 46. I can't just sleep over. Like, Well, <laughs> when I was sleep over, I go, no, he's getting bunk beds in his house. It, it would, Jimmy would need a lot. Of, I'd have to hold him 
and pet him like a little bird. <laughs> it will, it'll be, I would be worried for Jimmy if that happened. Yeah, so would I. I wouldn't handle that as well as Anthony did. Um, I, I would. I, I want to get a safe house in my, in my like a safe room uh, would be ideal. I mean, I live in the city. It's a little harder uh, in Manhattan to have a safe room in an, in an apartment. But if I had a house somewhere, I would definitely want a, a safe room at night. Right. Jodie Foster. From yeah, the- yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, listen, Great movie. Your face. Great movie. Yeah, I know. It had the girl from uh, Twilight in there. Uh, you're facing Jimmy Crude. How does it feel when you're going versus a, a young gun like that who's looking at you like a steak saying this is everybody knows Anthony Lion Hizzle. They know Anthony Smith. He's been around. He made evented. This is my time. I take him out and I'm on the map. Does it does it motivate you that you're motivating him? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. What what uh was there a moment in your career, Matt, when you realized you were the guy with the target on your back? I didn't like it. Yes. I, I see. I, I didn't, I didn't notice Weird. until it, I didn't even realize it until after, till after the Rackage fight. And, you know, I was, I was sitting back with my coaches and I was like, what in the fuck is happening here? Like, why am I getting beat by these guys that, by, that I shouldn't be losing to? And they, you know, they were asking like, what are you seeing in there? Like, it's not what I expect. Like, I'm not seeing what I'm expecting to see. And Mark Montoya and Scott Morton, my jiu-jitsu coach, said something that really stuck with me. He's like, because you're not just anyone else. Like, they're not going to fight you the way that they're fighting everyone else. And I was like, well, why not? Like, what the hell am I doing? He said, you're their title fight. Like, you're getting the, the best that they're ever going to give anybody. Like, you're their moment. Uh, and that's when I realized it. Like, like, holy shit. I never even thought about it like that. I just looked at it as two guys going in there to try to see who's better. And then, you know, we figured it out. But um, so now it, it, it's actually, it, it is motivating. I don't, I don't necessarily enjoy it that much, but I know that I'm going to get the best Jimmy Crute that there's ever been probably. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's more motivating to, to prove to, to myself and everyone else that, that these young guys just don't have it, you know, like there's levels to this game. Yeah. And, you know, I went into the Devin Clark fight with this same mentality. Like you, it's funny you listen to the interviews that Devin did before and then the ones he did afterwards. Uh, it's a, it's a vastly different tune. Um, it's like, Jimmy keeps calling me a legend. And to be honest, it's kind of pissing me off. Like legends are legends are guys that are done. Um, and typically you look at legends, you know, the guys that are, that are starting to fall off a little bit. They're not necessarily in their prime still. Um, and you know, he keeps saying that he wants to take what I've worked for and, and, you know, kill a legend. Like it's kind of fun to, to know, like, I know what I know and he doesn't know what he doesn't know. So like, he has no, like there's levels to this shit and any top 10 guy he's ever fought, he's, he's lost to, um, you know, and you hear about people talk about the hype and what he, you know, what he's going to do and what he's capable of, but all that stuff's potential because he hasn't done anything yet. Um, so I'm excited to, to just get in there and, and I guess just prove a lot of people wrong. Like, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here. I'm still one of the best guys in the world and, and, and just some 24 year old kid that's that hasn't done anything. His career is not going to just come and take everything I've worked for. Yeah. Derek Brunson seems to kind of feel that way too. And when you look at what he does, he's, he's fought some, uh, um, you know, whether it was Kevin Holland or whether it was a Shabazian and, and you see how he's a guy who's like, no, I'm, you're not going to look at me as a, as a big name to beat on your way up the ladder. hundred percent. You know, me and Derek Brunson used to not get along that well when we were in the same division and, and, you know, we were potentially going to fight a few times. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of a cool thing now. Like now we're kind of the, you know, we were not, you know, we had a lot of 
I, I, it was animosity, I think, was just competitive stuff when we were the young guys trying to come up and and kind of at each other's throats. And now we're kind of, you know, we're the, the more veteran guys and and it's almost like a brotherhood between us. Like we just got to fend off all these young cats that are coming to try to take our spot. You're only thir- with 32, right? I think you're not old. I mean, you, you still have a lot of years left, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that I miss that people miss all the time. Like they look at my career and, and the amount of fights that I have. And I think they equate that with age. Um, uh, like I'm, 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 I'll be 33 this summer. Like I still got four, at least four or five really good years at a high level in this game. And it, it's getting frustrating. Like after, you know, I kind of stubbed my toe a little bit with, with Glover and, and Rakic and people are like, well, you know, it's probably, he's getting towards the end of his career. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. like I, I just, I fucking lost. I'm not dead. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just, and I'm still getting better. I'm still getting better. Like I'm, I feel like I'm not even close to my potential yet. You know, I, I've definitely never fought to my potential for sure, but um, I feel like I'm showing a different guy in there every time I fight. And it's funny you brought up Derek Brunson because if you look at Derek Brunson, he's a little bit older than you. I mean, you're yeah. talking five or six years down the line, then you're his age. He's like, what is he, 38, 37, 39? Yeah, yeah, I 38, know, I think. More yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what is he, 45? No, he's like 38 <laughs> or something. No, but I'm saying like, you could a lot could happen in five years for you. You're like, you know what I mean? You could uh, have a whole. I mean, there's a lot that can be done. So I, you know, it's funny because you see, you know, you you see a face around a lot, and you've got so many battles, and you're like, oh shit, man, this guy's still young. He's you 37, know? Matt. Uh, Derek's 37. Yeah, I mean, and this is the best version of Derek Brunson we've seen. So, right. like you said, like you said, uh, Anthony, you know, you're looking better and better. How did it feel to get that last win though? Because it always feels better to having a couple of rough days in the office or enough night, rough nights. And then it's like getting the monkey off your back. No, like, Oh, all right. Clean slate. Yeah. And now let's start from here and build up. Yeah. It's, it's funny, man. I think I, I've done a better job of, of just kind of shutting out all the bullshit. But I mean, at the end of the day, like when we're in the gym and like a guy loses, like, we're, Oh man, that sucks. Like he'll be, he'll be all right. He'll get back to it. We, we know how good he is. Not a huge deal, but you look at the big picture and kind of how you're treated and, and, the things you have to do in the, in the sport to, to get back from that. I mean, it's like the end of the world. You know, like from, from the outside, it's how that's, at least that's the feeling that people kind of put on you. Um, so you do a back to back and then it's, you know, it, listen, man, it, it's all outside stuff. Cause I knew that, that I was losing to people that I should have beat. Um, and some of that was just on me. It, it, a lot of it was just mental and emotional shit. Like there's, you know, there's, I lost the title fight to John and my shell cracked a little bit. You know, I just, I, I don't know. I just, it was the biggest moment of my life. So it took me a minute to get past that. Um, then I, I started to, and then I dropped two more and, and there was a pandemic and the break in, and there's just a lot of shit that happened in a short period of time. So once I dealt with all that stuff and, and spent some time with my therapist and, and really just working out my own bullshit, if, if I'm happy, like just happy in general, just with my life, with how I feel happy with myself, I'm, I'm a really tough guy to beat. But if I'm ever having any personal issues, whether it's mental or emotional, um, it always shows its ugly head through my fight career. It always has. Do you uh, now? I don't know what you're like. I, I have a therapist too, and it definitely helps. Like, I'm a spiraler. Like what I'll do is wh- whatever's going on in life. Like if I, I I can just get myself from like from a five to a twenty very quickly in a bad place by just kind of listening to myself and letting my depressed feelings, whatever feed on itself. Do you, do you do that? And then sometimes the therapist kind of steps in and goes, well, what the, what are you doing? This is just not realistic. Yeah. I'm, they explain, I'm more like a, a full cup guy. So like if my cup is empty, 
you can just fill that shit with whatever, like the fucking world could explode and it wouldn't bother me as long as I got room in my cup, but I don't ever deal with anything. So I just put it in there, put it in there. And then when it overflows, all that shit all comes out at the same time. And then I'm overwhelmed and then I shut down and I don't deal with any of it. So it's like, I just pull myself back. I get kind of, I'm kind of a recluse um, and I don't deal with any of it. So then, then I take a fight in the middle of all that. And then there's, there's stress and anxiety and, you know, a lot of stuff that goes along with the training camp and I, I already don't have room to deal with it. So it's, it's just all overflowing all over my life. So, uh, and it shows itself everywhere. It's the only place anyone sees it outwardly is in my fight career, because that's where I'm at in front of millions of people on TV. But, um, you know, my, my wife's got to deal with it. My kids got to deal with it. It's just, it's tough, man. And, and essentially, you know, like people, there's always that negative connotation on, on therapists and stuff, but it, essentially for me, it's a big sounding board. And it's just, it's like a big whiteboard and I just vomit out all my bullshit and we just try to organize it into categories like what's important, what's not important and what's, what's like an emergency. What do we deal, we need to deal with right now. And honestly, I don't have that many emergencies. It's not like I'm, my life's falling apart over here. It's just, I got so much shit and there's so many things going on and I just got to find a way to organize it and put it in categories and figure out what I need to deal with now. What's really bothering me and, and what's shit that probably is bothering me, but doesn't actually matter. And I put all that shit to the side. A good therapist is kind of just nudges. Like they just kind of like, you know, they, they help me ask good questions to myself or they'll just like with nudge with questions. They don't, it's not like the movies where they rush in and fix you. Like you're collapsing and they're like, this is what you got to do. It's, it's just, <laughs> they'll just, you know, that's, that's Hollywood. They'll, the mo- a good therapist just asks the right questions. and say, well, what do you think about that? Why are you doing that? And, and it just kind of gets you to answer your own questions. I always look at a good therapist, just kind of gently pushing you along and kind of helping you stay in a certain lane. That's all. They're not miracle workers. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we'll go, I'll be in my sessions with her and she'll ask one question at the beginning and I'll ramble for like an hour. And like, she, she won't really say shit the whole entire time. And then I'll get up and be like, sweet, I feel a lot better. And then I'm yeah. like, on my way home, realize like, I don't even know what she said. Like, I just, sometimes you just got to work it out, you know, and just An event. like, just if I have a problem, I'll start it and I'll just start talking about it. And as we go, like by the end of it, I've already figured it out. Like, Oh, okay. I got it. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's helped a lot, man. It's, it really has. It's, it's something I continue to do. And, and I, I've, I've always kind of been on and off with a therapist my whole life, but yeah. um, I think when I start feeling better, I stop going and then the cup starts to fill up. That's a good way to look at it. The cup. I never heard that. That's a, that's yeah. an interesting way to look at it. Jimmy, you and your fucking fill your cups with weird shit. Listen, <laughs> you ever meet like a shrink when like I remember a couple of girls like David or whatever, and I'm like, oh, you're gonna be a, oh, uh, you'll be a shrink, huh? And they're fucking crazy. Why? Yeah. <laughs> no, right? No, I met someone. I'm like, oh, you're gonna help people with it? Like you fucking. I'm, I'm saying to myself like they're fucking nuts. Why yeah. is it that a lot of shrinks are a little wacky? Am I? Is this just me that notices that? Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. No. Why is that, Jimmy? They, I guarantee they're seeing shrinks too. But I, I kind of like a shrink that's got like a little something because I like knowledge that's gained through a little personal experience. Like, so if someone has their own little shit that they've had to deal with, they're not just coming out of a textbook telling you something. They're people who have actually experienced it and they, they're coming from a place of, it's like if you're learning how to, to do something in jujitsu, you don't just want it from somebody who has read about it. You want it from somebody who actually knows jujitsu. Yeah. Um, and you don't want a fucking lunatic helping you, but I think somebody who's <laughs> definitely dipped into it a little bit makes me personally feel like, yeah, this person knows what they're talking about. They understand how I feel. Oh, I got you, Jimmy. You don't want to be like a swimmer that never got his feet wet. You know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. kind of. There we kind go. Of. 
Um, and how does it feel to not be the main event? I imagine you've had so many nights of being the main event or, or the co-main. Is it nicer now just to know that your night will be done a little bit earlier and you can kind of get your fight done and then just kind of relax after? Or does it not matter to you at all? Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Um, I think the main card opener is one of the most important fights of the night. I think that I think they put us in that position for a reason because they expect it to be fireworks and an exciting fight and really suck people in. But yeah, it's, man, it's it's really nice. You know, I, it's not as nice as as probably some people would expect. Like one, you know, my last seven fights have been main events. So with that said, uh, I'm not really bad at doing media. So my media schedule is pretty full already. But yeah, there's not a lot of stress, man. There's not a lot of people blowing me up. There's not, you know what I mean? It's it's nice to just kind of be in the background a little bit. Um, and, deser and honestly, deservingly so. There's, you know, there'd have to be three fights or four fights to fall off before, before I had to uh, step up to a main event. So, all the people in front of me are, are especially the main event, they're absolutely deserving in their position, man. And, and I'm glad that I'm not going to take any of their shine. Um, it's a great card to be a part of, man. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy, Matt. You know, I was kind of upset you're not here. To be honest with you, you know, uh, I went to I went to North Carolina and trained with Weidman a little bit. I talked. Um, a lot yeah he said that he had some great work with you guys up there I was, yeah. so happy. I was happy when he told me he was working with you did he tell you did he give you my regards and whatnot did he, he yeah did yeah it was a lot of fun man um you know what i i only brought this up because we we're talking about the card yeah. after training with chris weidman i i i remember being on the plane on the way home thinking how in the fuck does that guy lose it to anybody He's like so I, it's crazy how good he is like I suspected like on the way there, like, all right, I'll probably, I'll probably get over on him on the feet. Um, he's definitely going to beat me in the wrestling. And I, and I thought maybe our jujitsu would kind of cancel each other out. Um, I'm not sure that I hit him clean the whole time I was there. Um, he's got crazy hard leg kicks. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he, he's got a little bit of wonder boy in him, you know, though, like in his movement and he's hard to get to. And his, his single leg was incredible. Uh, and, and I don't know if we cancel each other out, but like I held my own with the, you know, in the jujitsu department. Man, I was just really impressed with Chris Weidman. I'm, I'm excited for that fight because I think after training with him, I was, I, I was just really sold. Like I'm really bought into that fight. So happy. Of all the names he brought up, I was like, uh, that he could have brought up. I'm happy when he said you, I go, Oh, that's so great. And that, that's something that it just looks like you guys would work so well together, you know? Yeah. Cause he's yeah, such a humble guy too. He's a beast on the mat, but he's a humble guy too. You know, both you guys. So well, and he's got such a good group of guys down there too. Did you see Longo when he was out there? No, no, I, Longo was there the next week. Yeah, boy. All right, you got out just in time then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Anthony. Uh, anything I should know about what you're reading or watching lately? Anything you're streaming? Anything you're reading? Um, you know, weirdly enough, uh, have you seen this? Uh, this F1, uh, uh, what is it? Race for your life or whatever it is on Netflix. I'm not like a, I'm not like a NASCAR guy or, or like a formula one racing guy. Um, it's not like, that's just not really been my thing, but if you get a chance, you should check out that, that formula one documentary on Netflix. It's a lot of, it's a lot of, it's a lot of drama and there's, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars involved in this, in this sport. And, every team has two drivers so it's pretty pretty it's pretty cutthroat and it's you know guys are dying and races and shit it's it's pretty crazy man i'm I'm not like a big racing guy but but it's kind of sucked me in sometimes the inner workings of something or, or the behind the scenes stuff even if you're not as much into the sport or whatever are interesting like when you see what goes into making something you're like fuck even though i don't watch it that's kind of interesting 
Yeah, well, it's kind of made me want to start watching these races because, like, there's only 20 – I think there's 21 teams um, in Formula One, Formula One. That's it. So the same guys that are in this documentary, I think I'm in, like, season two. I think there's four seasons, and then I've seen a Formula One race. And, like, the top 10 drivers are, like, the top 10 guys they talk about in this documentary. So, like, it kind of makes me, like – like, I kind of feel like I know those guys. So, like, now I'm kind of sold. I'm going to – Yeah. I think there's one in Texas uh, this summer I'm going to try to go to. You want, you want to watch it live? Yeah. That's kind of like, no pun intended, like the formula of the ultimate fighter. You get invested with, it's like, yeah, I like this guy's personality. And next thing you know, you're into the sport. Hey, man, I love the last dance. And I don't like basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not about to go watch it now, though, afterwards. I don't give a fuck still. But I did like the documentary of it. Like, you know, right. I, so I can do that with sports. I can't watch any sports, but I can watch some documentaries on them. So I don't know. It's strange. Hearing about teammates that don't get along is always interesting. Like guys, especially like on that level, hearing about the behind the scenes stuff that they were going through and still, you know, it's all, I don't even watch it, but you can't not be drawn in listening to Jordan bitch about somebody. It's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm a big documentary guy. So I get in the other one that I watched recently was, uh, there was this, uh, this, that's like this mob killer, uh, in New York, uh, they called him the Iceman. Iceman, yeah. Oh, Richard yeah. Kaplinski, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just watched that documentary. It was, on, I think it was on Showtime or I think it was Showtime. Um, that shit was crazy too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's very, they did a couple on him, I think. The Iceman. In the movie, uh, too. Uh, they was, did, yes. I forget who played him. Zod played him. Zod. That's the guy who played Zod in uh, Superman. Yeah. yeah oh, I, know man. I know what you mean. He was great. What's his name again? Don't remember. I don't know, but that guy is a goddamn psychopath. Yeah. And he was talking about he he killed that one guy and put him in like a 50-gallon drum and then just set him on the street like next to the the place that he went and like the little bakery that he sat and ate breakfast at and just stared at the thing for like two weeks and it never moved. And then one day it was just gone. It was crazy. So yeah. Those are the two ones that I've watched recently that just kind of stuck out to me. He had a guy in an apartment and, he, and the guy's praying. He goes, look, I'll give you 30 minutes for a miracle to happen. You keep praying and yeah, <laughs> yeah. 30 minutes was up and I was, you know, he was praying hard. I think it was James. That was the, that was the only time that in the whole thing where he sounded like he actually give, like gave a shit about something he did. Yeah. Cause then he was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. He's like, Wait, yeah. He like gave him 30 minutes to see if God would show up. That's crazy. Yeah. Dead yet? Is this guy He's dead. Clancy's dead. Yeah. He died. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, Anthony. Well, look, good luck, man, on uh, opening fight against Jimmy, uh, opening uh, fight on a card of, against Jimmy Crude on Saturday in front of a, finally a full house again. Uh, UFC is finally the first sport, I think, to have full, full crowds back. And um, I'm happy for you, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right, man. I appreciate you guys. Good seeing you, Jimmy. Matt, too, as always. Yeah, Anthony, man. We'll be watching, man. I can't wait. Part of a great card, dude. Yep. Always watching your fight. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. See you guys. I always get happy on on Saturdays when there's fights. I but do too. This, this is really, you don't want to miss this, Jimmy. No, absolutely. And we'll be talking. You know, Matt and I always text during the, uh, um, during the car. We always do. And uh, I'm happy I got to meet Colin Quinn, dude. I really yeah. like. It's yeah, a, he'll come. He'll definitely come back. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know what? You can tell Rich Voss to stay home, and you can bring him back. I'm sure Voss. I like Rich Voss. We'll have them I'm together. <laughs> Let's have Rich Voss back too. He's. A I agree. Uh, Jimmy, the UFC yeah. is on uh, pay-per-view. Yes. Eastern time, 
Sorry, I just like to sound professional. It's gonna be it's, uh, it's gonna be this Saturday. It's in Jackson, yes. Florida. Oh, how exciting! And uh, the prelims, Jimmy. The early prelims are on ESPN two, ESPN plus at six p.m. Eastern time. The prelims start at eight p.m. on ESPN and ESPN plus. Main card at ten p.m. I cannot wait. Uh, I I'll can't either. I'll talk to you before then, Jimmy. Yes, and don't forget, guys, the uh, UFC uh, Twitch channel will be streaming. I think it starts 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time if you want to jump on with those guys, with uh, Steve-O and Jens Pulver and uh, CM Punk. All right, but thank you to Anthony Smith, of course. Uh, Colin is one of my closest friends. And uh, champion Kamara Usman. Matt, I'll talk to you this weekend. Later, Jimmy. Goodbye, everyone. All right, goodbye, guys. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.